what up guys and girls we're back we're back i think that's the official title for probably all of them going forward uh yeah to say the this least be, this will be volume one <laughs> shout out to uh who was it that said that uh was it like Wizwalski or yeah wizard wizard was or something yeah shout so, out so congratulations you've got the official name for the foreseeable future as we try to program these more frequently but yeah, uh, as always, we are sponsored by Paragon Recovery. Use the code Cronus for fifteen percent off, or for military or first responder, hit them up for an additional discount. Hell yeah, dude! When's the last time we did a podcast? It's been over a month, I think. I think it's been longer than a month. I think it's been like two months. It's not a tuma. Yeah, it's been pretty busy. Um, I was on leave last week, uh, which was nice, but uh, work has been pretty busy for me because I work. Essentially, every other weekend, I do like a 24-hour shift, at least 24-hour shift every other weekend. That's crazy, doing nothing but surgeries and taking dudes' legs off, arms off, heads off. No amputations, although I tried. I was kind of sad. I had two patients that I was trying to do amputations on, and both of them turned them down. And then after I left the service, they ended up getting an amputation, and I didn't get a chance to do it, and I was really sad. Yeah, I mean, so, like, that's got to be a really hard decision, though, to say, cut it off, Doc. I mean, like, is there a, do you have, like, a bedside manner course that you took back in school? No. I mean, I'd say that in med school, um, we talk about, like, in med school, we talk about, like, humanism and how to talk to patients. Uh, So I try to be, you know, have a good, I'd say I think, I, I would say I have a pretty decent bedside manner in terms of talking to patients. Patients seem to like talking to me, put it that way. Well, yeah, you've got that radio voice. I mean, probably all of them are listening to the podcast as we speak. So if you are thinking about chopping it off, see Dr. Bobby. I will gladly take off your leg. Although. Not gladly. From a professional standpoint. I would love to cut your leg off because I've yet to do one. If you have a lump, I'll take a lump out, no problem. Your lipomas, oh, yeah. I'll do lipomas. Lipomas are pretty fun to do. I mean, now you're like speaking Latin or something, so I'm I'm uh, I'm not much use here. Yeah, or gallbladders or appendix appendices. I can take those out. I'm. A, you know what? If uh, if I can schedule coming out there, I'll let you take out my appendix just to take it out. Um, we'll just have to get me on post since I'm no longer in the service. Uh, thank you for my service, uh, mm-hmm. for your service, Veterans Day, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I still have also a bunch of gift cards to Applebee's, TGIF, IHOP. Outback, uh, pretty much a we owe you for being a veteran since I didn't cash them in on Veterans Day. I've got a couple years worth of those, so we'll eat well. I actually uh, did not go do anything on Veterans Day. I've never done anything on Veterans Day. I usually do. In Jersey, I I would do like my rotations, but then this year I, I was off, so I just kind of stayed at home and just chilled at home. I always felt that when I would see people out and about, like getting their Veterans Day samples. It was always like the individuals that had to tell you that they were in the military, like that defined them for Mm -hmm. so much of their life that even while being out of the service a day or six years, 60 years, it's like that's the only thing that they can point to. And it's one of the things that like I try to get as far away from as possible because I just don't want to be defined by the fact that I serve. It was voluntary. It was not forced upon me. I loved what I did. I loved the individuals I served with. But we've gone back to it is like, is it I am a veteran or are you defined by your actual, you know, traits that you have as an individual uh, more so? And, and you know, that's so for that reason, Veterans Day, I usually try to stay away from it because it just seems like a bunch of people who are, you know, just wanting that pat on their back. It's like that validation externally. It's like, be confident in what you did. You don't need people to like give you free pancakes as a result. But you earn your free pancakes, though. You earn those pancakes. Sure. I, I think uh, as far as earning, we've got like a a, a different definition. If, you know, I would say World War II veterans earned your pancakes for sure. You're getting shelled in Bastogne. You're jumping out of planes. For 99% of the GWAT veterans out there, you just got a tax-free paycheck sitting on a fob like dealing with a really hot port of shitter. So 
I, I think there are like huge degrees to veterans. And unfortunately, I feel like at least what I see, the majority of individuals that are like really claiming that status are the individuals that did not do anything while they were in because they have to be validated outside of service for their service. It's like if you did it, if you were there, you're relatively quiet. You're very humble about your experiences. You don't have to stand on the top of a mountain shouting at it, waiting for people to come and adore you. You know, it's that that quiet professional. Yeah, I've always, it's always like a uh, almost like a con- contradictory or not contradictory, but like an inverse relationship between like your military service and <coughs> your approach as a veteran. Because <coughs> You know, like the the guys that did the most are usually the most quiet about it. Unless yeah. you're a SEAL. Unless you're a SEAL. I mean, but for that reason, you're not quiet because it's lucrative. I mean, if I was a Navy SEAL and I was as good-looking generally as they are, as you would find, I think SEALs are pretty good-looking individuals, had a great flow. I had a, you know, a face for some sort of like a veteran owned TV show or, you know, the cover or inside cover of a book, I'd absolutely be fine with being a SEAL. But for the Army, no. Like, you're ugly. You're fit. You're ugly. We don't want you on the cover of a book, a movie poster. You just do you, boo. You know, if we're going to do anything about you, we'll get much better Hollywood-looking folks to play your role. For instance, I've always talked about this. I think I talked about it before on the show. Um, in my platoon, we always discussed who would play you. And like one of my squad leaders wanted Idris Elba. I wanted Chris Hemsworth or Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, but I'd likely get one of the Weasley brothers from the Harry Potter <laughs> series or the guy that plays, uh, what is it, General, not Grievous, but who's the redheaded asshole from the most recent abortion of Star Wars trilogies? The one that. I haven't even uh, watched it. Yeah, he's the ginger in it. So it, there's only one because Hollywood's only required to have by law one ginger per film. So if you know who I'm talking about, that's probably who I'd be have you know s- such fortune to have play me. What what famous Ch- Asian actors are there? I don't know any famous famous Asian actors. I think there's is it is it Daniel Kim from Lost and Hawaii oh, Five O? Yeah. yeah, he's Korean though. Why no? But Hollywood doesn't care. I mean, hell, they cast uh, Emma Stone to play uh, Captain Ng, uh, half Swedish, half I think Hawaiian character in Aloha, starring Bradley Cooper. Fantastic movie. Christmas is on upon us, and it's a Christmas film. Um, Scarlett Johansson played uh, an Asian character in whatever awful like anime ad- adaptation she started in Ghost. Uh, oh, Ghost in the Shell. That's actually yeah. I actually enjoyed it. That's actually pretty cool, I'm, I thought. Yeah, that is a good question, though. Like, what? There what aren't f- very many. I mean, like, you got old school, like, the Jet Lees, mm-hmm. uh, Jackie, Jackie Chan, Chan, Bruce Lee. Bruce Modern Lee. Day, you have, like, Stephen Yoon from Walking Dead and Daniel Day Kim from Lost. Try, I mean, there's some. I think Marco Polo highlighted a bunch of really good strong asian actors and actresses uh on that netflix show and then who's the lead guy in crazy rich asians oh um i actually don't know his name but he's good looking though i mean i you know i'd be fine with him playing me half he's like half asian though he's not like full asian Listen, I I'm pretty easy when it comes to who can play me. I mean, just incredibly good looking. Race is generic not a white dude. Generic, generic gen ginger. Well, except for the nose, I I will not be played by anyone that has like a tiny petite little nose. Like it has to be protruding from the face at least at least eight inches. Yeah, I got no Asian actors. Maybe if, at least in America. I'm sure in China there's probably good looking dudes that could play me. Maybe uh, I've been watching Narcos again for like the 16th time. I just love that series so much. But uh, who's the guy that plays the Mandalorian? Uh, Pascal? Uh, yeah, Pedro Pascal. Yeah, he could play me. He's got a great mustache. I would have had a great mustache if I could have grown one in Regiment. I mean, the, the sky's the limit is what I'm saying. If you're listening to this and you know what I look like, every single one of these actors has some sort of quality that matches 100% to me. Whether it's being good looking, huge and buff, extremely attractive, ripped as all get out, 
or a large nose. You take your pick. Speaking of TV shows, I have been watching some decent shows uh, since I've been on leave. I finished Cobra Kai, which I really liked. Have you seen Cobra Kai? I started watching season one. I started again on season two. I I don't know. It seems a little like teenagey. Yeah, it's very teenagey, but it's kind of nostalgic for me. I did you uh, did you watch uh, like High School Zombies on Disney Channel afterwards? No. Mm. I did watch uh, The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. That was pretty good. The short series about the chess. Oh, I'll have to watch that. That sounds good. It's very Bobby. It's like searching for Bobby Fisher. E. It's pretty cool. Oh, we talked about it on a personal chat because uh, that's what we do behind your back, Cronus fam. We talk all the time. Uh, Blood of Zeus, phenomenal, phenomenal animated se- uh, series on oh, yeah. Netflix. I think it's by the same people that did like Castlevania. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the last two years, great. Yeah. Um, what else have I been watching? That's about it. Watch on that. Christine and I are still watching, rewatching The Office again. That's kind of our show that we continue going back to. I mean, if that's the, why would you watch anything else when The Office yeah. is there? I mean, like, we, we sound though. By the way, everyone listening is probably going, "Why the hell haven't you released a podcast when you have all this time to watch these shows?" We don't want to make it sound like all we do is watch TV. Like we are, we are very busy. But when we do have thirty minutes or an hour to sit down and eat, these are the shows that we like to watch. correct our timing was off there we've not done this in enough time to to know the banter back and forth yeah it's been a while our romantic dialogue oh i know what we can talk about how about these cool crew neck sweatshirts which you can now get on the chronos fit store under swag uh limited stock for now until we uh are able to move some inventory out of my uh office Slash garage, which we'll have to figure out how to do as a write-off for uh, your tax purposes. Yeah, the garage game is coming together very nicely right now. Very yeah, nicely. I'm, I'm super jealous. Uh, I start my Iron Man Quest V2 tomorrow. Not looking too forward to that since the last month has been so busy with school. Like, I've not mm-hmm. worked out. Going to Mexico for a week didn't help. And so I'm going to be sucking major air for the next six weeks to get back to like conditioning shape that I should have been at to start this kind of a program. So I'm, I am not happy about tomorrow and the fact that it's going to get cold here in New York really soon. Yeah. How's the weather right now in the city? I mean, it's been really good. Uh, I love the cold, uh, minus the wind. If you, if you've been in New York city, you know that, you know, between the avenues, you get these tunnels of just awful air uh, that gets mixed with some trash, with some leaves, with some lightweight individuals wearing Canada goose jackets. I mean, all getting thrown in your face. So that's the only bad part of the city. And the fact that it clears out in Central Park when it does get cold, which is probably the nicest thing. But I'm not riding my bike outside any longer because that's just fucking dumb. Uh, I've got mm-hmm. it hooked up here. Uh, and then I've got a screen here for Zwift. So I will, I will be on there. I'll come up with like a really cool screen name. So if people want to do like group rides with me or something and absolutely put me in the, uh, the woodshed, like I will be free to share that with you. Cause I'll get my ass handed for a while. Yeah. The weather's going to get kind of shitty out here. Winter is here in Washington. It is a uh, cold overcast and dark. I love that though. Like that's, that's my kind of weather. I don't burn. I generally get to wear a lot of clothing, a hat, you know, which usually makes the face look more proportional. Um, I love, I love winter, like winter, dark, dreary days. My favorite. Gross. Bar none. I do not enjoy that. Just cause like out here, the sun doesn't rise until like seven, eight o'clock in the morning. And it's like three or 4 PM. So like, I literally don't see the sun really. That's awesome. I, I think you've got a great setup there. I would, uh, I would switch spots with you. I think one of the things I'm looking forward to in the next year and a half is, you know, finding a job, but I'm essentially keeping as many options open because I'd like to move outside of New York city to practice law. And so Mm -hmm. like, I'll be looking at like Salt Lake city, Seattle, uh, Boston, Washington, DC, and then New York city, just because it's the largest market. Do you have to take the bar 
uh, if you go to a different, you, for each day that if you want to like practice law, you do the bar in each day, right? Yeah, and I think there's a, like a common bar, and then you take the test, and then different states have different requirements. But there's also, uh, I think, individual states, you know, will have their own standards because um, the NYCPLR here in New York governs state courts, uh, and it varies slightly from the federal law. And so you have to know that if you're going to practice. Mm-hmm. So I have to figure out where I'm going, and then that'll dictate what bar I take. Um, and where I, I get admitted, and then how I study, when I study, that kind of stuff. Is uh, so that's kind of a pain in the ass. And if you like move to different states to practice law, can you just like move, like pack, like get the pass a bar in the state, move to a different state, but practice law in the other state still? I think you know that's the worst part. Is like I've got friends that could rattle this stuff off off the top yeah. of their head, and I'm like, I know I'm in law school right now. Like <laughs> that, that seems like you know. Uh, way far down the road. In general, I think if you want to practice in Massachusetts and I'm living here in New York, if I take the bar and I have like a score, let's say on hand, I think they can look at that score and be like, okay, this meets our requirements, but I still think I have to do something in Massachusetts to mm-hmm. practice under Massachusetts's, Massachusetts's, I don't know what the correct word is there. Masses, uh, masses. <laughs> masses laws. So, We'll see. I mean, it's exciting, though, but it's a little bit far away to start planning when, you know, I really want to figure out what kind of law I'm going to practice first. Uh, that's the that's the next big question. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of interesting how uh, law kind of parallels medicine in terms of, you know, you go to the school and then you like kind of specialize and then you get certified and then you can like get further specialized in some kind of law. I didn't really appreciate how much of like a how specialized uh, the profession of law is until I kind of learned more about it through you. Yeah, I that's one of the reasons I wanted to go to law school. I I feel like everyone that comes out that's a junior officer goes and gets an MBA. Like no shade on you if you go and do it, but there are thousands of you I think every single year that decide to get out and go to one of these various programs and. I think it's not easy, but a lot of veterans get into like really good programs. Um, and so you'll be there and you're maybe, you might be one of 15, one of 20 in your class. Uh, you know, law school is much smaller. And so the, the networking is a little bit more, I'd say personable than in, a, in an MBA program because you're just whatever you're here, you're getting the same degree. But in law, because there's such, you know, special areas of practice, you can really develop like a closer network um, and really lean on each other to kind of steer where you're going to practice. And that's one of the reasons I really wanted to go into law was so that it wasn't just like a, okay, I got an MBA. Now what? Like every veteran that's getting out now, that's a junior officer is doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. It's not really distinguishable. Same in med school, except that's even smaller, I'd say. Yeah. I don't, I feel like a lot of, well, not a lot. So like a ton of people get out and get an MBA I would say the next group would probably be getting out to get a law degree. And then it goes like individuals are getting like a PT degree. And then it's like your docs. So like, I think the four levels, like you are clearly the most like narrowly defined category of individuals who left to get a degree. And even though you're still back in just that course is so, uh, it is so, hard to come by and identify people. Like I didn't know anyone that got out to go to med school before I knew you. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I know a couple people. It's actually kind of weird. A lot of my um, classmates at West Point that had pre-med with me are now in med school that like have left military, like are not doing it through the military, which is kind of interesting. Cause I would not want to be saddled with that debt. Oh no, no, I wouldn't have uh, like Fordham's got an incredible yellow room program. But if I'd had to come up with, like, the other half of the tuition, um, I wouldn't have gone here. Like, mm-hmm. there are plenty of law schools that you can get a law degree from, and to come out without any debt, I think, is huge or, like, very minimal debt. Because it's just really tough to to swallow how people go to school with, you know, no real financial services and mm-hmm. are paying 65 k a year 
just for tuition, not including the thousands for books and materials, your rent. Like it, I think it's easy to come out of law school with like four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars in debt. Oh yeah, for med school too, especially because a lot of my uh, med student classmates, they you know we did undergrad, got like a graduate degree, and then went to med school. So you're talking about like easily half a million dollars in debt. Which is nuts. Like By the time we're 26. Absolutely nuts that that's how much a degree is worth. And it, I think it goes towards why the price of these schools have skyrocketed in the last 20 years. Because I don't think it's any longer this, you know, the, the challenge to get an undergraduate degree. I think the expectation is everyone has an undergrad degree now. And so people get bullshit undergrad degrees, but then the expectation is you have to go get an MBA to distinguish yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, like the arms race. Yeah, it's just, it's it's so stupid. I, we need to go back to having like vocational training programs. There are vocational institutes out there. Like I'm not saying that I'm creating, you know, something brand new here, but like people don't need to go to undergrad to get a degree in it's all like most of it's liberal arts stuff. And like, I get, we need like our artists in society. If you're a real artist, you don't need to go to school to learn how to art. Like you should be artistic. Like that, that should be something inherent in you that you can just look at a blank canvas or whatever is your blank canvas and create. You shouldn't have to be taught to art. If you're having to be taught how to art, then you are not an artist. Mm, I don't think that's true. I would love to hear your your counter you, there, counselor. You, to, you, you learn different techniques in art school to art. Yeah, but if you're going to learn to art, I feel like you could learn those techniques on your own or doing an apprenticeship with an Probably. established artist rather Probably. than go and get taught art by some random individual. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I don't know shit about art. I don't know shit about fuck. Uh, I, but that's at least better than a degree in something like gender studies. A hundred percent. Like, one hundred percent. I do not get some of those, some of those degrees people go and spend four years pursuing when, I like, I don't know how the subject is being pushed in the future. Like, I know what the general arguments are because it's brought up quite frequently in school. And like I practice using correct pronouns now, like it's taken a year and a half and I'm consistently using like they and their um, in writing. What? Yeah, it's just, it's like, that's the common, that's pretty much like almost like an industry practice uh, unless you can positively identify an individual. But if I'm using a generic term, instead of saying he or she, I'm just going to say they. Um, what? Yeah, that's just, that. that's how you need to, to learn how to write now because you don't know who's going to be reading your work. And, you know, it's, I think it's like a very small price. I, it's not the right word, but it's a small price to pay to treat some individuals with the, the respect that, you know, they quite frankly deserve whether or not you agree with, you know, the actual language. It's not being forced upon you. Like it's a choice. I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. Now that you mentioned it, now that I think about it for all my, uh, for my um, notes, medical notes, I always use like third person as like I just prefer them as the patient versus like he or she. Right. Same thing. I, I guess I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things. It's it's very small, and it doesn't take a lot of mental strain to get into a habit of writing it. Mm-hmm. But if I'm writing something about Justice Scalia, I'm gonna use he, him, his pronouns because. Judge and Justice Antonin Scalia, like identified as a male. I know that Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she, her, is there another one? I'm so blank. <laughs> she, her, Herms, her, <laughs> she's, she, Shem, Shem. Shem. <laughs> Guys, I am really good at what I do. I just want you to know that. <laughs> Did my, uh, my, my, command of the english vocabulary has drastically decreased since coming into medicine i cannot tell you how bad my english is and how bad my writing and spelling is nowadays if we didn't have spell check in our emr 
my all my shit would be spelled incorrectly. Oh, well, that's probably a reason why when you see doctors that have been practicing for like 20 years, you have to ask the, you know, the head nurse, what does this note say? I have no idea what the doctor just wrote. Oh, we don't even handwrite notes. We, we It's all like digital. But I do have a, uh, it's great. I have a dictation thing. So I don't even have to type anymore. I just speak into this microphone and it dictates for me. Oh, yes. It's fucking dope. It's <laughs> just fucking wait dope. though. We're going to get to the point like an old man's war where you think something oh, and dude. it gets generated like you're not even gonna have to open your mouth we're gonna lose the ability to speak i it's like a uh, elon musk and Neuralink. i keep telling christina i can't wait for it because a lot of the time with christina and i's relationship a lot of the time i feel like i cannot verbalize what i want to say and if i could just think just convey my thoughts to her it would just alleviate so many issues yeah i'm still hesitant of that because if you've seen was it South Park where Cartman and Alec Baldwin are the only two people that have that new type of Twitter where everything that they think is automatically vocalized through like these two speakers on the top of their head? Um, oh, I can't think of now what the the actual title of the episode was, but that was the same thing. Like I'm worried I'm going to be thinking something <laughs> like as you do, and then someone else is going to hear it or. Meg's going to sure. pick up on it. I'm just going to be like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Like, I'm going to sure have to go, Elon, like, blank slate. I'm sure that Elon Musk will figure out a way that you can Content blocker. Yeah, can can separate your thoughts from being projected versus uh, internalized. But yeah, that's yeah, great. But I love having the power mic. It's like, I literally don't know how to type anymore. When I, like, I just speak to a mic, and then it just records it for me and, and translates it for me. My writing has gotten significantly better from school just because... I'm writing all day, all night. Well, not so much all night anymore, but like all day. Um, you should uh, you should invest in a Dragon Power Mic. I think like that'd be very, that would save you so much time. What's a Dragon Power Mic? It's it's a dictation mic that uh, you can buy. Uh, that it's what we it's called. It's just the brand. It's called Dragon. But they oh. offer like an app that you can actually do it to your phone. Use your phone as a microphone, and you speak into your phone, and it like projects to your computer, and it'll dictate it for you. I- I think that would be cool to an extent, but there's some things in writing that we do that, like we, it, it would feel awkward to do it in speaking. Yeah. So like putting an adverb before the verb, like whenever we talk, people usually just put it after, and it's just commonly understood. Whereas in writing, like you want to put the adverb before the verb, even though it creates like a weird like structure to the sentence. And then I have to throw so many citations into what I'm writing on such a regular basis. It'd be really mm-hmm. hard to have to constantly quote cases and like spell it out for the dragon mic. I don't know, man. If you could, I was hesitant to start using it, but it's, if you, there's a way you could try it out. I think you, it would probably benefit you a lot depending on how much you write. Oh yeah. I think that'd be really cool. I'm afraid of my job and just like you should be getting taken over by computers because eventually, and they've already started doing this as of like three years ago, they've got programs that they're developing for artificial intelligence where they can take all of the cases that deal with like a particular issue that someone brings to an attorney. And this system can like synthesize all of the issues, come up with, you know, the, the primary uh, claim that that party might have, as well as all the defenses that your opponent counsel might develop, and then statistically be able to figure out exactly what the right outcome is, or what you should do to generate the outcome you want, or what you need, and what gaps need to be filled. It's like they could probably do that in like a split second now, where that would take you know sometimes months or years for an actual case uh, developing all of you know whatever issues you're going to raise. Yeah, I mean, they say the same thing for medicine with, like, uh, with like radiology and using, or, like, EKGs, using, like, AI to to read these things. But um, they keep saying that, but it is yet to be uh, demonstrated that AI is superior to humans. And even then, like, uh, I'm sure that maybe, like, in 30 or 40 years when it's that good, that maybe it can be used, but there's always going to be some kind of human oversight on top of the AI. Yeah. Like, it'll be a great tool. I think maybe in the future, next, like, 10, 15 years, AI will probably be used as a screening method to alert, um, you know, providers that, hey, like, there's something wrong with this and you should pay more attention to this. But I do not think that, you know, AI is going to replace human beings anytime soon. 
Speaking of replacing human beings and just getting rid of the whole damn lot, we just had a presidential election. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's still ongoing, uh, depending on what side of the aisle you fall under and how deep in, down in the well of conspiracy theories that you go. But holy shit, I am, I am so floored <laughs> by what's going on in the country. Uh, and, and the real separation, it seems, of people down the middle to like what the extremes are, although I don't think Americans in general are so extreme in their political ideologies. I think it's, you know, if you're going to talk about the Democrats, you're going to pick the furthest leaning left. If you're going to talk about the Republicans, you're going to pick the furthest on the right. So it's like mm-hmm. AOC versus Mitch McConnell. And it's like AOC is a nobody in Congress, but she's world famous now because the president constantly just tweets, there. tweets yeah. about her. And then Mitch McConnell is just like, I don't know how we're going to talk shit about Biden when Mitch McConnell is one of the richest individuals in all of Congress and has been there for decades, like long enough to probably be there when Brown versus Board of Education got decided. Like I, I'm speaking in hyperbole, but he has been there forever. Yeah, I don't know. I just I. I'm kind of glad for the psyche of the country that Biden won because I don't know what the country would be like if another four years of Trump and take this how you will. I don't know. You know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are Trump supporters or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Tries to apolitical. But you have to admit that, uh, you know, Trump made a lot of his... um, I guess social capital and appeal to his uh, followers primarily by through divisive means rather than unifying means. I would completely agree with that sentiment, and like I understand why individuals wanted to vote for Trump. What I don't understand is like what the left is now doing. Like if you were a Trump supporter, we need to figure out who you are. We need to get your name. Like you need to be blackballed from society for the rest of your life. Like that kind of McCarthyism shit is not positive. It's not beneficial. All you're doing is putting a target on yourself and inciting like the extremes of a Republican party, for instance. But, and I've talked to some of my friends that are like staunch Republicans and they said they weren't voting for Trump because of his personality, but because what he's done for the Republican Party, which has been huge, you know, three Supreme Court justices, Mm -hmm. dozens and dozens of uh, district and circuit court judges. So the way that the law is going to be interpreted is going to be incredibly narrow for the foreseeable future. Um, He talks about rebuilding the military. I take offense to that on a regular because I don't think that dude has done anything truly for the military. And maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I haven't seen a difference uh, between when he became president and then when I was in under President Obama. And I was not like a President Obama fan because at the time I was a Republican. And I just don't see how like they he really impacted the military because the appropriation for that is passed through Congress. Like everything that you see on the news and you hear about with like a bunch of fear mongering on both sides of the aisle is legislative in nature. People are saying Biden's going to take my guns. Oh, Trump's going to take this. It's like none of that is a presidential power. Like just go read Article two of the Constitution. It's very short. It'll take you maybe four minutes Not a single thing that majority of Americans are echoing as a fear can the president do. That is all under Article I of the Constitution exclusively to the Congress. And so when people can't name their congressmen, they can't name their senators, you have hundreds of thousands of people that are voting in this country that just voted for president and no other individuals on that ticket, like that is more scary to me because that means we just have a very stupid American public, incredibly stupid. Like the fact that you don't know basic government and the fact that you're going to rant for like the unitary executive position, but not know exactly how policies are implemented. Like that is the scary part to me because I think what you get is a bunch of despots that sit up top that make people think wrongly what needs to happen. And it tears the part, it tears the country apart. No, I, 
hundred percent agree, but that it's like a but that's like a great commentary on like um was it the Federalist Papers where they talk about like mob the rule of the mob versus the educated few that, you know is that right? Does that ring any bells? Well, I mean, so the, there were a ton of Federalist papers, but uh Thomas Jefferson said something to that effect. Um I don't remember the quote off the top of my head, but it, it essentially was like to be ruled by a very elite minority of the country was was problematic and then you know how that replicated itself uh in congress so like there were a bunch our founding fathers were very aware both of what politics did in creating this party system um and we have done everything against what those individuals really would have wanted i think for this country like the constitution's great it's a living document but we are really embarrassing ourselves by entrenching so many individuals on a political level uh, in very specific, you know, branches of our government um, to the point where I think we're going to, you know, be so exposed uh, in the future to like a real dangerous or imminent threat that we're not going to be able to respond appropriately. Yeah, I would definitely echo that sentiment about the vast majority of people do not understand how the country works. Uh, Yeah, because most people, you know, but that's how, I guess, the news and political sources make their income and generate clicks is through these very, you know, wide, fear-mongering, broad, like broad, sweeping generalizations that, you know, prey upon people's inherent um, lack of understanding of how things actually do work. And I've said it a million times, and I'll say it a million times more, like social media, if you get your nose from social media, you're stupid. I can't be any more crystal clear than that. You are an idiot because the only stuff that you're getting from that news source is one could be completely factual and made up. I mean, like people just retweeting a random dude's face with some sort of text underneath that says this person was found. Like you're not vetting any of the information you're finding on that website. They're not vetting most of it themselves. And people can say, Oh, we need to get rid of, you know, section two thirty and, we have to do all these things because, you know, we're being uh, – our speech is being limited on social media platforms. Like it's not being limited. Like they don't owe you anything. That's a private party. Go start your own website if you want to. But as soon as we start talking about like what's a publisher, what's a distributor, like you're getting into very dangerous waters because eventually what's going to happen is if we remove this protection for like a Facebook, all they're going to make you do is sign a document that essentially um, – indemnifies them where if you post something on the website that is, you know, slanderous or liable and you get sued for it, Facebook's going to be like, no, man, that's on you. You sign this contract like that's on you as the owner of this content rather than like them taking the the brunt of the force. I mean, like, I think it's so incredibly dangerous, but social media by far the worst. And I'll tell you what, my law school peers are some of the worst perpetrators of this I've ever seen. I've sent you screenshots. I've like taken dozens of screenshots of these really intelligent people that are making arguments that someone sitting in a shed with no education at all would be able to make if they just followed one news network for two months. Uh, And it takes zero background knowledge at all to come up with what they're saying. Like it's so disappointing to see these people that have good undergraduate degrees. They're smart enough to get into law school they do well in law school to understand constitutional law. And then it's just like just diarrhea of the mouth, like stupid people everywhere. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, it's becomes, a, I think it comes like to like social capital. That's when it comes down to in terms of on social media, it's like you'd want to follow what the trendy thing is to do. And then that, you know, appeals to a different part of your brain than perhaps your logical thinking side. Yeah. But like, so here's some things about the election recap that we saw in the last month plus. Uh, Biden did not come out of his hobbit hole, but like a handful of times. In fact, he's there right now. Uh, Trump, after losing, I think he's golfed four times in the last week. Like, so if he's really that upset and he wants to focus on policy before potentially leaving office, like golfing is not a good look, especially when, you know, you tore Barack Obama apart for doing the exact thing that you're doing. And I think President Trump has golfed more than any other president in history. 
uh, you've got like Joe Biden having his his gaffes on stage. You had the Hunter Biden incident, which should have been covered by every network, um, but wasn't. Again, and then you just have President Trump really just doing this like dog whistling thing with the suburbs, and people can say, "Oh, that's you know he wasn't dog whistling," and there's no like you know, there's not a uh, subversive message message here about trying to keep minorities out of the suburbs and, and, you know, keeping it nice and white and blonde. Like, you've got to be so incredibly blind to what is so obvious to, to, you know, fall under that, uh, that narrative. It's just like, people need to be understanding of the other side, but at the same time, in doing that, you have to be able to admit when you're wrong or when your side has holes. And that's what people are too afraid to do. It's say like, hey, my party sucks because of X, Y, Z. Hey, my party sucks for X, Y, Z. Hey, our X and Ys overlap. Fuck Z. But at least let's work on X, Y and get these people out of office. We have the oldest Congress we've ever had in our history. I think we have the fewest veterans we've ever had in Congress in our history. And that just goes back to the whole Veterans Day thing. Like the Republican Party has taken over the patriotic party, and I feel like individuals want to thank veterans and use us as props because no one in their family has served any longer. They, they have no ties whatsoever to service. If they do, it's from their grandparents, uh, and if they don't, they just like to put us on a pedestal and say, because we thanked them first, we clearly are the more patriotic. Like, I hate that. And so, like, we need veterans in office to tell these people to shut the fuck up. Ten persons dying in 2028. Yeah, 2028. Like, I'm looking at, like, S- Senator Blackburn, Mitch McConnell. I mean, like, Jesus Christ. At least Hunter Biden served, right? Like, sure. one positive, he served. <laughs> Should not have served. Like, a terrible example of a veteran. None of the Trumps have served. You're, you're telling me Cadet Trump, who said he was so incredibly fit he could have played pro ball, uh, after graduating from college, has bone spurs and gets a bunch of draft deferments, just like Joe Biden did with his deferments. You know, like, but then he he's so patriotic, not a single one of his kids served. Like, I, I just don't understand this. If you can no longer stand up, and I, I can say this because I'm a veteran, my parents were both in, my grandparents were all in. If you are so damn patriotic that it's just something you have to constantly remind people of, and none of your kids have served, and I mean like, truly served you sir are an asshole like you're a hypocrite you are not patriotic you can't tell me you're patriotic and and all of these pundits too that are constantly on instagram there are a couple that i follow on both sides that constantly like will be like oh my my friend's little brother served or you know this this person in my family i want to thank them like thank you and oh before you go use my promo code to get a multicam hat with my name on it like fuck you dude you <laughs> fuck you like i cannot be any more i just hate it i hate people cashing in on veterans that have not served and haven't put their neck out on the line no one in their family has like bring back the draft i don't think a draft <clears throat> wouldn't necessarily be a bad idea or at least some well, sort of federal service we're too fat for that now like that ship yeah. has long sailed or just like federal service you know i think there's something to be said about doing one or two years of service whether that be you know i would military love that like forest service yeah forest service go help like rebuild national parks the infrastructure like do something that that you're going to be proud of and knowing that like america was made better like was america made better by my service i don't sure yeah <laughs> not for me no. <laughs> you're a piece of shit <laughs> i'm a piece of shit <laughs> but I you're a doctor you're a doctor now so like when people want their free you know cosmetic surgery under the army that's you man so thank you like that oh, is dude. you <laughs> don't get but, me started on 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 cosmetic <laughs> surgery in the army oh i love it i got my eyes fixed like you know that's different that's different though i'm talking about like bariatric surgery oh don't get me started on bariatric surgeries but uh, what i'm saying is like there's service that you should be proud about doing and whether that's in the military or in like a civil aspect, that should be something everyone aspires to do. But because the only service we have right now is just such a small percentage of our population, it's like the, the human capital 
it is just like maximized by every single time you get up there and you say it. Same with the police force. Like everyone, the Republicans love thanking the police because of the incidents that happened uh, this summer and because we really politicized a movement where, you know, having a a comprehensive uh, racial conversation was just so out there that, you know, people couldn't come across the aisle and, and talk it and, and have a, you know, a smart conversation. It instantly became, oh, I don't want to talk about it because I'm Republican. And if I support the cops, then I'm clearly, you know, ag- against the Black Lives Matter movement. Or if it's I'm for the Black Lives Matter movement, I can't be for cops. Like there was no middle ground. But so, but that's the reason now that we have this politicization of service that has to do with like wearing a uniform. I cannot stand it. I think it's just so disingenuous of a lot of these politicians, like shame on them. But it's just politics too, you know? Oh, it, the nature of politics. Yeah. And then we look at like the military industrial complex. Why are we still in Afghanistan? President Trump said he was going to get us out of that country. There's very few units that are going on offensive operations right now. There were very few units that were going on offensive operations four years ago. So why are we still sending tens of thousands of people annually over there, spending hundreds of millions of dollars on contractors that are doing jobs that soldiers could do, and again, just creating generations of individuals that are going to want to push our shit in in the future because we destroyed their crops, because we killed their uncle, because we accidentally bombed the wrong building. Like, that's just future conflict we would avoid if we just tucked our tail between our legs. We killed Osama bin Laden. For the most part, Al-Qaeda was taken out. But we were in Afghanistan so long that the Afghanis couldn't get their shit together that now the Taliban is coming back as a political organization. Like, <laughs> the irony of that. Like, what a tragic waste. Like, what kind of mismanagement? And it's all because congressmen wanted to be able to say, I was part of this appropriations committee. This part of the F-35 was made in my state. But I didn't have anyone that ever served to even fly in the fucking plane. Like, that's just like what I'm rambling now. But that's like my true dislike of politics and not having enough veterans to say, get us out of these countries. I will say that like uh, 30% of my retirement portfolio is defense stock. I'm just which gambling done, on, which on the Masters. <laughs> uh-huh. I picked uh, Justin Johnson to win, and then, like, I, I've never, get, you know, bet on a single thing in my life, like, actually put money down, and I was like, I I feel like Dustin Johnson's going to win. And then sure enough, you know, he won by five strokes, and I was just like, well, I got one right. Like, I was guaranteed to probably get one at some point. Like, uh-huh. you know, even a blind squirrel finds a nut twice a day, but, like, I don't want to, I don't know, stocks... Stocks uh, scare me. I don't. I'm, I'm I, a very passive investor, but I will say that defense stock. I started investing in defense stock back when I first got in the military. And it has good. done very well <laughs> since then. Well, of course it has. I mean, in like I just watched the episode in Narcos season three where the senators come down and they're going after the Cali cartel. And, you know, Agent Pena goes out with these senators and the CIA people to see a destroyed drug lab. And it's just all about spending money and growing money and the the capitalism behind uh, the military. I mean, like, it's absolutely nuts how much we spend on programs, even within the military. Everyone that's listening that's been in knows of at least one soldier that probably shouldn't have been serving, but we just threw them in because we needed numbers or had one piece of equipment that you're like, why do I have this? How many grenade pouches have you been issued that you've been like, what, what, why do I need this? Fraud, waste and abuse. I'm coming for you. Yeah. I will not say poorly about that because I've done, I've done personally pretty well from the generosity of this country, the country's military. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, both of us, my, our undergrads paid for, our graduate degrees paid for. Like, I think there's a lot to be said for for service. And like, if you want to join and get your education paid for, but it also goes back to like, you should use your professionalism outside of the military for some good for that same community. So like, there should be some give back. Like, I don't want to work corporate for law. And if I do, like, for a very short time, like, eventually I want to work back for the government. It's like the government's paid and footed the bill for all of my education. The least I can do is work in some bureaucratic position applying what I know 
to give back and help run the country. So I just think it goes back to like, are you like a really selfless individual that wants to serve? Cool. Join the military. Do you want to make it a career? No. Well, then when you get out, if you have opportunities because you served, do something with them that impacts others and don't just cash in on that experience without being thankful. I'm trying to get paper. That's all I'm trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you fly to South America every once in a while for these procedures, right? You're making big dollars. Oh, dude, I can only imagine if I... I, I keep pitching this to Christina that uh, once I get out of the military, I'm just going to go practice medicine in like uh, in the UAE or the Middle East. Apparently, American doctors in the Middle East get bank if you if you practice medicine in the Middle East because they pay like the Saudi or like the like Arabians or whatever they like put a higher premium on like Western trained doctors. So if you practice medicine in, like the Dubai or some shit, you can make a ton of money. I mean, that's, I mean, well, that's like uh, the Dubai classic though for everything. I feel like Dubai is just throwing money at things. The Dubai CrossFit uh, challenge the last couple of years has been like, I feel like the, the purse for that has been the same as the actual CrossFit games. I think it's like more, yeah. yeah but, so, but that's, a good that's point, that oil money, yeah. baby. Yeah, that's oil money. But anyways, I, I, I kid, I kid. I don't know what I'm going to do when I go to the military, but um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. I don't. I still don't know what I'm doing when I grow up. I'm just trying to like not get shit on every day at work. Very yeah. demoralizing yesterday going back to work after a week of leave um, and doing a 24-hour shift and not knowing a single patient when I showed up and then like having to learn everybody in an hour and then rounding. My chief was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't fucking know. I don't know these patients. Like, What are you yelling at me for? I've been on leave this last week. Of course I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm just here to make sure people don't die overnight. Yeah, man, that's a that's a big ask, though, in the in the medicine world when you have like so much riding on your your knowledge, but your patient's care is also such a huge concern. Like you can't just lock them in a room and be like, we're going to fix you. Just here's a TV remote. Go away. Like, you know, you have to coax them sometimes into the tough decisions. And oh, yeah, yeah. Like, so I think that's a very challenging uh, field for sure that you're in. Yeah, it gets very emotionally draining. Um, I can tell sometimes when I am getting like burnt out or emotionally tired because I will just get frustrated by patients just or people's families that just want to know what's going on. You know, like uh, it, it can get very frustrating when you have like a patient or a family member that's just just asking you for questions about what happened um, or like what's going on. And then, you know, I've so many other things going on in the back of my mind that it it's just very it can be very challenging to pull like fully put my emotional and actual like compassion into an interaction do you have a hard time uh eating during these shifts or just in general eating during the day because i know when i'm in like the zone studying like i have no problem skipping meals oh i I, yeah i usually don't eat when i'm at work uh well i fast to begin with but then at work, if I'm just busy, I just won't eat until like literally until, some days I just don't eat until I go home for dinner. So from like four o'clock in the morning when I wake up until like six o'clock at night when I go home, I just don't eat anything. Yeah, I'll have breakfast like at eight, eight thirty and it'll sometimes be like one o'clock. And I know like looking at the number like I should be eating, but I'm like, I'm going to finish this case real quick. And the next thing I know, it's four thirty uh, and Meg's like, hey, uh, do, do you want like a snack? Can I get you some like nuts and cheese and i'm like oh shit i didn't have lunch uh yeah that'd be good yeah. there's that and i have to put an effort and drink water there are some days where i don't drink anything mm-hmm. uh until like the end of the day which gets really bad too dude i like that's one part of like having a tracker that i think is so important like starting tomorrow between this fucking dumb iron man train up again <laughs> which I, I i convinced somebody to sign up for me uh my boy john down at bragg is is gonna do this too so like prepare for the suck train friend. Um, like I, I need to be on top of my diet. Like I need like four to five good meals a day. I need to be drinking like a shit ton of water. Cause what happened last time when I did this is I tried to do like a high fat diet and, uh, I, I got down to like two Oh five, which is the lightest I've been since college. Um, not counting like ranger school. And, like, it was, like, noticeable. Like, my posture was a little bit different. Like, I need to be able to maintain, like, a 215 probably, like, weight to, to physically be able to do this. Because I'd finish runs, too, and I'd be, like, I'd smell like ammonia. Like, I, it's Ew. like that. 
yeah, it's bad. Like I was not, was not hydrating and I was not getting enough, uh, electrolytes, uh, during and post runs. So like, I've got to, I've got to really like hunker down on my diet plan, which if you're looking for a nutritionist, Cronus Fit now has. We do have personalized nutrition. That's correct. I forgot to mention that before. Yeah. It's actually Christina's cousin uh, who has gotten into the nutrition field. I think got certified um, to be a nutrition coach. I think he's working on some other stuff to go to school to become an RD. No, RD to become a dietitian. I think it's awesome. But it's one of those fields that, like, I did not know existed, like, you could major in. I did not know that that was a thing. And I feel like that has such a – like, that's the degree if you go to college and you get – that's awesome. Um, because that's something that you can impact others with, especially with how fat America is getting. Like, I think what we can do is we should close on COVID. Like, COVID cases were up to, like, 150,000 a day or something, almost 200,000. We're going to hit pretty soon over 1,000 deaths a day. Uh, climbing in states, they're they're talking about these you know vaccines that are coming. And I got to tell you, like some vaccines need a, a negative eighty degrees Celsius uh, transport temperature, where some can be at room temperature. So like it's going to be very difficult when we have competing vaccines and which one the government is is going to uh, distribute. But I think if you are an unhealthy person, like it's got to be terrifying. Like if you are morbidly obese i just hope that this spurs like a discussion about nutrition going forward in this country rather than waiting for a, a magic pill to fix us like you have to be fit if anything this should wake people up to saying i need to eat healthier i need to work out i don't think it will man i think americans have just gotten too complacent with uh their west or just their lifestyle of eating a certain way and acting a certain way i think i see it every day and like I think it's it's funny because uh, I remember when I visited Europe uh, over the winter last year with Christina, and then coming back to America, it's like wow, I forgot how fat Americans were. Because you go to like Europe and the other places in the world, it's like everyone is like normal sized, yeah. Because everybody's so big in America, so fat in America, like it just you're just accustomed to seeing to seeing people that look a certain way, and that just becomes the norm. And it's like I don't know, I just. Uh, I don't think that I think America's on a trajectory that or American diet nutrition on a trajectory that's going to be very hard to correct, um, well, especially. I, I was in Cabo a week and a half ago and it was filled with American tourists at this resort I was at all incredibly fat. Like even the people that were like around my age were huge. And Meg and I were like looking around and just like in shock, like we we got in shape before we went because like we we want to take good photos. We're vain individuals. I want to look back and see a six pack, but like we looked. I feel like it would be like if you took Matt Frazier and Tia Claire Toomey and like went to some random gym on post at a tank brigade and just put them in the gym like that was the the stark contrast you had like oh, yeah. s- super fat people just floating by and then you just had like these really chiseled good looking people aka me but like it it was really almost sad because these individuals like sure they're they're having the time of their life but drinking nonstop like they get in the pool at 9 a.m they don't stop drinking until six or seven they take a nap and then they go out and they drink till midnight like i i was floored i like i was trying to go to bed every single night at the normal time i was waking up at 5 30 eastern standard time out there you know to study like i think habit you know and routine really help in, in creating like a very physically healthy person and these people fucking didn't have it yeah but i think that's like you know like a maybe a a vestigial effect from having being in the military and developing that discipline but at the same time though people in the military are fat as shit too so i can't really say that it's like a vestigial you know some residue from the military that leaches over to oh well dude there was there was the article that came out that said like 58 percent of women were failing the acft um congress wanted to push it back another year to do more studies because of the like gross failures across the board and in general like pretty low scores for men i think only like 10 percent of men were failing but it's like that goes back to the functional fitness and of course you're going to have like these super out of shape i wouldn't even say senior ncos but like ncos nonetheless that are like 
back in my day, and I did all of these deployments, and that deployment experience should count for something. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, you have the deployment experience. If you are too fat to serve, like, you could literally get a civilian to do your job that's been out for 40 years, that had experience in Vietnam. Like, what do you bring to the table if you're too fat to drag someone off a battlefield? So you don't like the sled drag carry now in the ACFT oh, because it's... Great workout. It, it doesn't... Uh, it doesn't replicate your experience in the chow line on Bagram. Like, is is that what we need to do? We need to just have a heavy tray carry and then like a sit down and then six hour session of doing something for making a con up for another unit across the country that's doing their mission. Like, is that what we need to do for the PT test? Would that make Tubby happy? Yeah. Uh, what was it saying? Oh, about fitness. You're talking about the, you're talking to the uh, the number two highest ACFT score right now in the uh of all the um physicians in the, in the hospital oh why aren't you number one some fucking PT guy beat me naturally that's so embarrassing I'm so upset for like you. five points I'm kind of pissed well now we know what people are going to be training for best Dr. Bobby Zhang uh yeah. we we should do like we should make that a challenge like if you can go and like like train up for it or something like say in like two months, we're going to have like a Saturday where we do it. Like the top five ACFT scores. If you do it on that Saturday, like video it, submit it to us. We'll do some sort of like a, a cool giveaway. So that the score to beat is 589 for myself. Kind of sad in max. It's pretty close to max. I'm trying to max it. And just so people, it. yeah, Bobby doesn't run. He used to, he was training up for the ultra marathon. Bobby just doesn't run. Uh, he does a lot of like, obviously our functional fitness training, but he still kicked the shit out of that workout doing it's basic functional fitness. So if you've been doing like is, CrossFit or Curtis fit, you're going to crush this test. Yeah. It is like a basic, very basic functional <laughs> fitness workout. Like if, that's why I keep telling people like people that, you know, always ask us like how to do well in the ACFT is like, if you do our programming, you will naturally do well in the ACFT, like naturally without even training for the ACFT, you will knock it out of the park. Yeah. Like I have zero, I've done zero training. I literally did not do a single, I didn't even know how to do some of the events until the day before and like just show up and then you're, if you're physically fit, you're physically fit. And this ACF, the ACFT rewards people who are functionally fit across, you know, multiple domains that are strong, met, met, like aerobically fit, et cetera. Like the stuff that we preach from CrossFit and functional fitness, if you can do our workouts, you will crush the ACFT, like not even, not even a joke. And for the people that dislike the test, I just ask you, like, what is the Ranger Regiment wrong? Like, the RPFT is not, like, the Ranger test. Like, that is the, here's the bare minimum that we do because it's historical, and they do it at Ranger School, so we're going to get our Rangers ready for it when they're 19 or 20 years old. But the real test is the RPAT. Like, that's the kick to the nuts. Like, this is a difficult standard. And so they, they, they took the hardest tests and they made like a JV freshman version of it. So if, if you're complaining about that, then don't ever say like you could be the Ranger or that you could be the SF dude, because what they're doing on a constant basis is like well above what the minimums are for the army for you. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, yeah. ACFT, good test. I enjoy taking the ACFT. You guys will do well. Um, the one thing I did want to talk about real fast, I'm not talking about COVID. It's like, is nobody going to talk about uh, why cases are spiking all of a sudden? Like, you know, the week after election, during the election week after the election, people are on the streets, pro like, protest, like partying or celebrating. It's just oh, like, yeah. The, nobody's the, talk about that. The Democrats are so full of shit. No like, one will talk about that. They uh, some Democrats got mad about Notre Dame rushing the field when they beat did they beat <laughs> Alabama or they beat somebody big. Yeah, it was they, like a great uh, game. Clemson, they beat Clemson. Clemson. They got mad for that, but then we see post election, all these people are gathering all over the country celebrating. They were protesting all summer, not abiding by social distancing. We have like senior Democratic officials across the party getting busted for getting their hair done, including like I think Governor Cuomo in New Pelosi York. Did. Yeah. Pelosi, you've got Democrats going to like all these dinners and events. Like at some point, someone just tell us that you think it's it's bullshit. Like I'm just waiting for one Democrat to have the balls to stand up and go, you know what? We get it. We 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 did something wrong. We <laughs> fucked up. Like we fucked up. <laughs> we 
I like, what is that from, uh, is that Ricky Bobby? I fucked up. Like, I fucked up, yeah. <laughs> like, just, just have honesty, man. Like, I, everyone's getting really tired of social distancing and wearing a mask. Like, I get it. But the, the politics behind it is just so stupid and it's so transparent. And it's just, again, it's a bad look on politicians that don't have the common sense to be like, hey, if I'm going to condemn Trump's rallies, I probably shouldn't go dance in the street because he lost the general election. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, sir, on both sides. are an yeah. idiot. It's on both sides, too, but at the same time, they're like... There's definitely something to be said about, like, you know, it's very coincidental that all the cases are suddenly spiking the week after the election, you know. Yeah, I didn't even put two and two together because I voted by mail uh, at least 12 times. If you want to go sign an affidavit, I voted by mail 25 times in 16 states. Uh, And uh, what else did I do with my ballots, Bobby? Um, I didn't put a return address. I didn't send them, like... But no, I did not vote in person, and uh, I did not vote for Trump or Biden. So yeah. that shows well, you how much. That, it's just like, just like the the protests before and after, and then all like the or the protest slash celebrations before and after. I think were like probably have a direct contribution to spreading. And the protests over the summer too. It was like there's a yeah. reason why they're shutting New York City back down again. Like din- diners aren't open past ten, and yeah. I think schools are going to get closed if it's over three percent contact. So we'll see. Yeah, but, I'm kind of curious to see what happens too if uh, it gets closed down again. I will not necessarily be complaining because when we the hospital turned down, we were like doing two weeks on, one week off shifts. So if I can go back to that one week off, I'll be very happy. I don't mind taking classes from home. I get more done at home yeah. than I did going to school and having to see most of my peers. I'm sure for my peers, it's saddening that they can't see me in person, but you can identify me on zoom and make me the primary screen. So if anything, it's better. I don't have to feel awkward about people staring at me in person, you know? Yeah. Interesting point. I wonder, cause I haven't done like zero zoom stuff, uh, during, during the pandemic. So I have no idea what it's like to do like the zoom meetings and stuff like that. Oh, it's not too, it's not too bad at all. Like you get good feedback. You can see when people are paying attention, people like, I think you should have your screen on. People are like, I don't want people to see my room. Like, all right, weirdo. Like, I already think you're probably weird. I, I don't need to know that you have, like, an anime poster up behind you to prove that. Like, or you're, like, blow-up doll on the bed. Like, I get it. You're a virgin. Like, oh all of us were at one point, but, like, that shouldn't keep you from having your screen on. I thought we did have a Zoom uh, meeting to do a lecture on military finance last week. I called in wrote my name on the comment of my name and just left because i was like i'm not listening to shit we have like mandatory like informational lectures for uh interns and it's like what a waste of my life yeah we had it's one true. on like uh the military structure and rank system last month where i was like get the fuck out of here <laughs> all right well i've uh, got to run to a uh to a meeting i've got at seven all right uh but it was good doing this. I, I hope the We're Back series continues every couple of weeks. Uh, we'll, we'll have another We'll Back soon again. Um, yeah, probably a couple of weeks. I'm on I'm on nights and for like the indefinite future. And I do like nights until December. Then I go into like uh, days for like I get shit. I'm essentially going to a very rough winter for uh, for medicine. So, well, shit, dude. Well, yeah, I'll be I'll be done mid December with finals. But all right, man, I will. Hasta you later. Hasta luego. Fuego. Uh, Peace. Bis später. Bye, guys. Later. Peace. Oh, yeah. By the... Oh, wait. Are we still going? Check out the sweatshirts in the store. Catch you guys later.